1: Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Wednesday, December 15th, 2010. It's 7 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I'll take your calls any time during the show at one six four six three eight one four eight six zero, or email me your questions at info at stewthewineguru dot com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts, or tweet me any questions you like at stewthewineguru on Twitter, and I'll read them live right here on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that. The Power of the People Meets the Power of the Internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu, the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, the videos, the articles, and the TV shows I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo, The Examiner, and many other industry portals. So look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 video series that can be viewed on YouTube, my website, and just about any other industry portal. So take a look on the uh, the internet, you'll find them. In addition to that, my wine reviews and articles have just been added to Hello Vino wine app for iPhone and for Droid and just about all the smartphones out there. So if you've got a smartphone, look up uh, Hello Vino or subscribe free to the app and you'll find all my new wine reviews and everything that I'm doing article-wise as well. So, pretty cool stuff. I like getting involved in all the technical gadgetry and uh, and software that's available about wine. Hey, this is Sly Stallone. You're listening to Stu, the Wine Guru, on blogtalkradio.com. When I'm out making action pictures... I'm listening, too. Right now, I'm sipping on a nice Tuscan Red. No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. Yeah, hi, this is Tony Danza. You listen to student wine guru. He's not bad. I'd listen to him every once in a while. You know, drink a Tuscan Red, try to take down the edge. Pretty good. I like him. Not bad. So tonight, a great winemaker from one of the top winemaking companies out there is joining me. The Zinfedels are world-class that they make. The name of the wines he produces are Alderbrook Vineyards. Uh, His name, Brian Parker, and he will be with us shortly. Of course, the number to call in is 1-646-381-4860, or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, Email me your questions for both Brian and I to info at stewthewineguru.com or tweet me like everybody else does your questions to at stewthewineguru on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, follow me because uh, lots of good stuff to talk about. and can give you all the information, what's happening with the show, uh, updates, all that good stuff. And I'll read your questions if you tweet them to me or email them to me live here on the show. As always, I've opened up a chat room for the listeners to go into chat you can also ask questions of brian or myself i'll check into the chat room live periodically during the show and i'll get answers for you hey, hi this is uh, john ratzenberger when i'm not doing voiceovers for movies or doing commercials i'm listening to stew the wine guru i suggest you do the same no actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Either. Okay, I know I haven't been in a movie in a while. I got it. It's okay. I've embraced it. But when I'm not being either, I'm listening to Stu, the wine guru. Scott, you'll get your turn, okay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo, just celebrity impersonators. Well, first of all, I want to thank the listeners who are following me on Twitter. As I've always said, I love social media. I can talk directly to my listeners and my guests alike. I'm enjoying, you know, the mediacy of the medium. So I like the ability to give updates in real time, and my guests are doing the same to promote the show. So thanks to Twitter and social media. Some show notes, my next TV appearance will air in late January, early February. I'll be a guest on the Emmy Award-winning PBS show, Check, Please, South Florida. I'll be kicking off its fifth season, so look for that. I've also been asked to be a guest on the hit CNBC World Show, Wine Portfolio, with host Jody Ness. They're taking on the Miami wine and food scene, and during the taping of my episode, I showed them around Miami and took them to the the best spots and the best places for both. You know, we discussed my wine radio show – my take on the industry, my guests, all that good stuff. Taping was last month, and the show will also air in late January, early February, so check your local listings for that. And I am completely psyched for you to see these shows. There will be more TV appearances coming up, and I'll let you know via this radio show and Twitter as they happen. Also, I'll be narrating a promotional digital video for multiple Napa Valley wineries, and I'll let you know when that is complete. For all of you wanting to know what events I'll be attending, so you can meet meet up with me like my tweeples do on Twitter, January 27th through the 30th, I'll be a media sponsor covering the second annual Key West Food and Wine Festival. Relatively new festival, but uh, very promising. A lot of cool people are going to be there, so come down, eat some great food, drink some great wine, and be sure to come and say hi to me. February 23rd through the 27th, I'll be covering the 10th annual... Food Network South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Can you believe we're talking about a decade? It's literally 10 years. Uh, It's amazing to me. You have to check this event out. It's really, really amazing. There's a lot of cool chefs. All the who's who of the wine industry are there, eh, and including me. So come down, say hi. March 18th through the 20th, I'll be reporting on the Boca Bacanal event. Lots of good stuff happening in the first months of the year down here in Florida. And that is the schedule so far, so of course keep listening here and I'll keep you posted. Since I'm a media sponsor for the Key West Food and Wine Festival, I've worked out a great deal for my listeners. You can now purchase tickets and receive a 20% discount. All you have to do is use the code STWG during the checkout process. There you go. Keep listening and follow me on Twitter for more information. Without further wait, let's bring out my guest for the night, all the Brooks, Brian Parker. Brian, welcome.
0: Hi, Stu. How are you?
1: I am fantastic this evening. Evening for me, afternoon for you. Yep. Um I, I first of all I want to start by by thanking you for being my guest and uh discussing your great wine with us. It's great to have you here tonight. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Excellent, excellent. Um, I just want to make sure everybody knows about uh, if they want to go to the website for Brian to you know, find out about Brian, find out about the wines. Go to www. a l d e r b r o o k. dot com. Find out where you can buy his wines locally in your town, or buy them directly from Alderbrook Winery. I mean, that's the beauty of the internet. You can sip some wine while you buy some wine. So. Um, let me go into some of the questions. I've got some tweeted questions, I've got some email questions, I've got some people in the chat room that will probably have some questions for you as well. So okay. we'll start off here. So from my from my, the few, and I, I call them the very few that uh, of the listeners out there that don't know about Alderbrook wines. Why don't you just give them like a little bit of an overview?
0: Okay. Well, with Alderbrook, uh, we specialize in Zinfandel and uh, an Old Vine Carignan. And with our Zinfandel, we we actually make six different Zins. We do an Old Vine Zin, and then we've got five vineyard designates, Uh, one here from our estate grapes right on the property, and we source some Old Vine Zin from a couple of vineyards here in Dry Creek Valley that go into our other four vineyard designates. Okay. Also, um we also make some other wines too uh our ownerships the Torlado Wine Group, so we do some wines for under the Torlado Vineyards label too.
1: Right, absolutely. And it's uh, the beauty of it, I have to say, the amazing thing is that the Zinfandels that you make are world class. I mean, globally they are unbelievable. Um and you, and and a good value. There's the other thing I wanted to say. Uh I remember working on the the, the retail end and um, that was probably one of the top Zinfandels. I'll say the one that was probably around uh, between ten and twelve dollars retail. Uh, one of the top Zinfandels that that moved. I mean, it was just uh, a great seller. So uh, on that value priced end, you guys really just crush it. You kill it. Oh, you thanks. Know? Just want to let yeah, you we've... know from someone who had been in that that uh, that arena, if you will.
0: Yeah, that's um, great to hear.
1: Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So so let's, let's let me ask you a question. I'll start with some of my questions. So you start right. out your education in chemistry. So yeah. what made you consider viticulture and enology?
0: Well, I did uh did my undergraduate work uh out on the east coast at Rutgers. Um Right. Uh I'm originally from New Jersey and uh
1: Hey, New Jersey.
0: Yeah. And then I moved out to uh Illinois and went to grad school there. Um, got my graduate degree in chemistry from University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign. And right. uh from there I went up and was doing some postdoctoral research at Northwestern University. And uh although, you know, I really love chemistry, really love the sciences, I, I just wanted to do something a little bit a little bit different, um, with my chemistry background. And I knew you could study winemaking at UC Davis. Uh and so in the mid 90s I decided just after my postdoctoral research uh assistantship was up I decided to move out to California and just start uh, uh taking some wine classes. Gotcha. And uh no. really really enjoyed everything I learned and did a few harvests and just after that I was
1: hooked. And very easily hooked, I can tell you. Uh, yeah. And 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 certainly the fruits of your labor, no pun intended, uh, certainly certainly were incredible. Uh, so we're, I, I think we're kind of glad that you you made that transition. Um. Thanks. So I, I I haven't asked this you know this question in this way this fashion, but growing up, what were your first wine experiences? So what did you first try, and then what did you like? Because I I take it you know it may not have been you know the experience of other, let's say, people that have, let's say, grew up in Napa or they grew up in Italy or, you know, where their wine is made in their family. grow up in New Jersey, I, I mean, I, I'm not making an assumption, but maybe wine was not made in the basement in the house?
0: No, it wasn't actually. Okay. Uh, okay. But I, I was fortunate in that uh, several older brothers, at, the, as I reached 18 19 years old several older brothers were and still are uh wine drinkers and collectors so i was able to sample some pretty uh pretty good wines uh early on and i I actually started with reds i mean i know a lot of times you you hear people's progressions they'll start with sweeter wines and then maybe move into drier whites and then start sampling reds but i went right into reds uh first thing and um you know never look back so a lot mm-hmm. of french wines um some california but more uh more europhilic uh in terms of
1: sure. original mhm so. so we've got some questions here from the chat room i'm going to get into those uh you you'll find that i may jump around here so just okay. bear with me no worries uh, so the question for brian is from kim and uh she says, I see they make a Chard, Still my favorite go to wine. What characteristics in Brian's opinion, in your opinion, Brian, make a Chardonnay great?
0: Uh well for me, um I'm really into more of the maybe minerally uh nice acid level, real food friendly Chardonnays and, and if you come and visit our winery or taste our wines. I think you're going to see that in our Chardonnay. Um, okay. We're not we're not necessarily uh, a lot of new oak or a lot of um, of the butter character in the Chardonnay, but we do we do strive for it being very very food friendly.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
0: that yeah, and to I me that that's yeah, that's to me is is what wine it's, it's sitting around a table with your friends eating a great meal and having some nice wines and having those those wines really go well with what you're eating.
1: Sure. The um I'm going to get another question from the chat room. This is from well she's both on uh, it's both on Twitter and on uh, in the chat room interesting at the same time. We're 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 combining uh social media here. Um, okay. This is from Viniteca HR or Sylvia. And okay. it says, um I have a few questions for Brian, so I'll 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 take these one by one here. Um let's see. It says um, He said uh he makes probably some of the best Zinpadels. So do you know what is and I'm gonna try to I'm probably gonna butcher this because we're talking about someone from Croatia. Um, it, it would be yeah, there you go. Thank you.
0: How do you pronounce yeah. it again?
1: I think it's Cyrillianic. Cyrillianic, yes. And then it says probably he does. And then the question is, have you been to Croatia to, to see how a Croatian winemakers grow Cyrillianic and Plavic Mali?
0: Um, I have not, um, but that's that would be one trip that I would like to make, uh, is to... Croatia and see Cyril Yannick, Carol Meredith at UC Davis kind of established that Cyril Yannick is essentially, or Zinfandel is essentially Cyril Yannick. And I think if I remember the story correctly, that uh, she had found a field and there were only maybe like 10 vines in it or something like that, but the DNA tested the same. And and because where Zinfandel Came from was always one of the big uh, big mysteries, and right. what it, wh- where where was it originating from? And I guess and Plavac Mali, I guess is is re- is similar to Zinfandel. I don't know that it's necessarily related, or it may be related. It might be another offshoot of Cyril Yenic, um but I'm not positive about that. But okay. but Croatia and and actually southern Italy too with Primitivo, it would be interesting to see. Um, See that region too.
1: Absolutely, because uh, um, most, I, I guess, you know, there's that thought that it comes from, uh, they're one in the same, and Primitivo are one and the same as as Sympendel. So, yeah. Um, and now let me just see. Um, let's see who else we have. Okay, so I'm going to go back to some of my questions here, uh, and then I'll get some tweeted ones as well. So, okay. you worked at Pine Ridge. What, yes. what did you learn there? That you took with you to Alderbrook. Well, that was really uh,
0: uh, my my kind of a, a really hands-on assistant winemaker position. So I really learned a lot about just timing of picking and and uh, I mean I worked under Stacy Clark, who was winemaker there for uh, a number of years, and one thing she taught me was, um, anticipation, just being able to anticipate when grapes necessarily were going to be ready, uh, uh, making sure that you had everything in your cellar, um, ready to go for harvest so that when those grapes were ready, you're ready to, Ready to go and and take them when you need to, um but also scheduling out and and thinking, you know, you're not thinking about just tomorrow. You're thinking three weeks from tomorrow and what you need to do, and I think right. just organizational skills like that was was a, a really great great help. And then how else, how the different wines paired with uh paired with barrels, just a lot of barrel exposure too.
1: Right. Um, so, your Zinfandels, I mean, as we mentioned before, of course, have gotten a lot of accolades. Incredible. What do you What do you think distinguishes them from the fray? You know, they're, of everything out there. Well,
0: I, I think uh, just where we're getting the grapes from. I mean, our sites. We have some really nice Zinfandel vineyards we're sourcing from, and growing our own Zin here. Um, and uh, Just really, it's. I mean, I. I, You hear the old adage that the wine, great wines, are made in the vineyard, and you know I I just have to, have to, uh, say that's true. I mean, if we're getting the grape, we're getting great grapes in, we're going to make great wine out of it.
1: Right. So I have some email questions. I'm going to run to. Uh, Let's see. So the first up is from Drago55 from Prague, Czech Republic, and it just came in, and it says. Hey Stu, great show tonight. I listen to you every week and have been li- learning a lot. I would like to ask Brian, what is it about Zinfandel that gives it its peppery finish? Thank you both.
0: Oh, good question. Um, there's a That's compound definitely characteristic of it. It is. There's a there's a compound. I believe it's called rotundone that uh, uh, Australians. Australian research has shown was in Shiraz's from uh, Australia that gives right. it that peppery quality. So it's just something inherent in the grapes.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting because you you almost find that it's like it's the key characteristic. I mean, if you ask anybody, you know, try this wine, not telling them it's in Zinfandel, and say, okay, what's the first thing that you that you detect or what do you perceive? I would say nine out of ten would say you know black pepper, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just an interesting thing that it's a consistent uh, factor when when drinking um, Zinfandel um, from almost every maker and producer. So I mean, I guess that's why I, I think people kind of pick that up. And it's a really good question to, to ask. I didn't even know that it was a compound that kind of uh, that did that that created that. Yeah. Uh, and the next one is from Patel Wines from Jakarta, Indonesia and it says Stu, this is a very enjoyable show about wine this is the second show I've listened to and I will now listen in weekly well thank you Um, my question for your guest, Mr. Parker is has Alderbrook ever thought of producing Zinfandel blends and if so, what other varietals would you use? good question that is a good question, yeah
0: we do uh, use uh, occasionally we'll use some of our Carignan that we we bring in. So our Carignan comes right. from vines that are 50-plus years old. We'll use some of that in maybe our old vines in. But we also, uh, a few years ago, started a Zinfandel Syrah blend. And as that's progressed, we've also added some Carignan into that. So right. kind of, um, a lot of times you hear about field blends and... Uh, and in this area, Dry Creek, that a lot of vineyards have that feel those feel blends where not only did you have Zinfandel, but you had kind of varieties that might make up for a deficiency Zinfandel may have had. So you may have I've had Alicante Boucher for color or petit Syrah for tannins or um Carignan for acidity and color and things like that. So those are all those kind of grapes that you might find in Zinfandel blends. We don't have access necessarily to all those, but we do have Carignan and Syrah that we can play with.
1: Oh, sure. Sure, absolutely. And um, I, I have a bunch of questions. I'm going to ask you some questions about about your Carignan and, and, and so forth. But I have another question from the chat room from Kim, which says, I see that according to your their website, that they barrel ferment their shard. Yes, I'm still on the shard. <laughs> Does it simply make it more complex than a steel fermented shard? Uh I think it does. Uh, for me,
0: the barrel fermentation just kind of rounds out the mouthfeel um and just kind of the, the flavors and and mouthfeel are just much more integrated with a barrel ferment. Um not to say that you can't make really really nice chardonnay in a in a tank fermented uh scenario, but a lot of times tank ferments can be almost um steely or almost just all fruit and, uh, the mouthfeel might not be as complex. And so that's why we choose to barrel ferment our shard.
1: Right. Well, and that, and that makes sense. and there's definitely, I, I think there's definitely some complexity to it when you do it that way. In, in the sense, um, I think for me, the steel, um, you know, it's more like you tend to use it obviously for the more unoaked, um, naturally, but I mean, there's, yes. I think it softens and this is just me. I think the steel fermented tends to soften the, uh, the shard, give it more of a, almost like a Sauvignon Blanc, uh, profile, if you will, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's, uh, I mean, do you, do you, do you agree to do you agree with that?
0: I I do. I do agree with that to, to, uh, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, it does, it's just, it's a lot fruitier and, uh, and within that fruitier, obviously, it can be very approachable too. Um, but for me, the barrel fermentation just kind of, again, just makes it a little bit, a little, the complexities a little bit more, and uh, and it's it just seems uh, fairly integrated.
1: Right, right, yeah. I think I think that kind of definitely says it. So, tell my audience about your unique Zinfantel Port. Oh, okay. Um so I think that's cool by the way. I just want to say right off the bat, I think it's really cool. I think it's a great concept.
0: Yeah. We uh we we harvest it. those grapes come from our estate vineyard and so we let them sit out there to you know, a higher sugar level. Uh and then we bring them in and we'll start fermenting them and then when we get down to a certain sugar level and alcohol level, we we stop the fermentation by adding the brandy back in and right. press it the next day. And so we're, with the alcohol that we're adding, we're pulling out some of the tannins, um, which we're looking for, and we try to stop it somewhere around maybe 4% r- residual sugar.
1: Mm-hmm. So goes yeah. great with blue cheese. Oh, awesome. Awesome with blue cheese. Uh, the next one I've got is a email question that just came in from Rafaela, 66 from santiago chile and it says hi nice Stu, i love your show and have watched your videos they are great too when are you coming to chile well, i'll have to let you know <laughs> not on the docket at the moment um my question for brian is how has it decided to plant zinfandel initially as the main wine grape for Alderbrook? thanks to you both well, I want to first just thank Rafaela 66 from Santiago, Chile for sending in your question. It's a good question. And uh I appreciate it and um I will update everybody on the website when I will be traveling abroad or wherever I'm going. So, Brian? Yes.
0: Um Dry Creek Valley uh here is r- pretty well known for Zinfandel. And so it's a great it's a grape that does really well in this in this particular area. So um I, I think that's kind of plant what does well in your area is a, is always a good uh rule of thumb if you're going to plant a vineyard. What what do your neighbors have? And our neighbors have Zinfandel, so uh I think that was part of uh part of the strategic planning.
1: Right. There you go. Uh let's see. The next one is I'm gonna go with uh a tweety question. Got some tweety questions here from Small Lots Big Wine from oh all the way in Napa Valley, California, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they and they tweeted, "How old is your old zin by old vine Uh
0: They are about forty eight plus years old. forty eight plus. Got it.
1: Um and then she goes on to say, so from where do you source the Carignan?
0: Carignan, we get that from North North Dry Creek. They're old head trained uh vines grown as bushes, uh gobelet, uh in French. Um pretty much the last vineyard before you hit uh if you know Dry Creek Valley, the Lake Sonoma Dam.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And then um, the other question is, of course, which is something that I was going to ask you. So tell us more about the Car- Carignan varietal. because I and, and here's my thing on it. Um, as a solo grape in a wine, I happen to like it. It's a very particular taste. Not that saying that every other varietal isn't that way as well. But it's rare that you find it sold as a solo grape. Varietal, um, usually as you probably can attest to, it's uh, it's a blending grape, and so you have to acquire a taste. And I don't know, I think it's coming along. uh, This is just my feeling on it. I think it's coming along as far as getting some sort of popularity, but I think uh, it it, it takes a while. So, and 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 it's as far as being food friendly. And you'll kind of tell me the foods that you see Carignan being. Uh, best for? I know a few off the top of my head, but just tell us more. Just kind of elaborate on the whole Carignan grape uh, and the choice of that. Okay.
0: As you said, it, it, it's typically one of those uh, more used as a blender grape than anything else, but there are a few of us here uh, in the area that are producing Carignan uh, varietal labeled wines. Um it's uh it's definitely got a lot of color. It it you tends to have pretty good amount of acid to it. Um but the fruit flavors in it are just really attractive. A lot of times you can get out like that almost like a black raspberry character that's just really um enticing. And uh ours is made it can it can make a pretty tough wine if if you let it uh we ferment it more um to be a little softer and pretty approachable so we're looking at uh at carignan a lot of people describe it as like our pizza wine you know a great wine to have with with pizza but i think it goes with pastas and uh and it could stand up to to barbecue and things like that too
1: yeah, I was going to say I, that I, I thought of it as more of a a, a pizza wine, um,
0: yeah.
1: but uh, but you know it, you know I think it, it not unlike Zinfandel or not unlike I should say Sangiovese, it does go well with with kind of Italian uh, fare. Yeah, and I think you just have to you just kind of have to find mm-hmm. you know uh, the right right blend for it, the right mix between. The food in that, but it does. You know, it's funny. It does have. Uh, Kim was saying in, in the in the uh, chat room that it does have. Uh, people find the nose tends to be, and I think it's a good choice of word. Funky. It's a little different, you know, mm-hmm. um, than the than, than what you normally spell. I'll give you an example. In my my eyes, if you've ever uh, there are um, not. I don't know if it's cab. I'm trying to think the region it is, but there's a cab. I think it's Chile might be Chile. And the cab from there um, has almost like a green pepper, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, on the nose. Immediately there's green pepper on the nose. And the reason being, actually, is because green pepper is grown in, in Chile. And so it tends to, to take from that um, when you – but it's immediately recognizable. I think that's what it is. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. It's the Malbec, not the cab, the Malbec. The Malbec, some Malbecs in Chile – Um, uh, tend to have that kind of green pepper on the nose. Um, And you can detect immediately that it is. So, I mean, so, and and I don't know if that puts people off. Some people off, they go, ooh, whoa, wait a minute. You know, that's, I don't know if I want to be tasting vegetables with my, with my wine. But having said that, having said that, I think that's what it is with Carignan and that the nose is definitely uh, very strong is the word I'm looking for. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what, uh, I think that's what some people, depending on their their uh, their taste, you know, may may or may not uh, you know agree with. But mm-hmm. personally, I think it's I like the I like the wine. I like I like its body. I like uh, uh, the uh, the structure of it. And uh, and I, we were talking about tannins and all. I like all of that the way it, the, the way it comes together. And um, I'm I'm more of the person that I like to have it as a separate solo grape than you know it being uh, blended because you never really you really can't taste that when it's blended, it's usually a very low percentage when it's put in as a blend. So, uh, let's see. I want to go on to some other questions here. Um, some people in the, okay. I'm I'm just looking in the chat room. I'm looking at, I just wanted to see if there's anything that I was missing there. Um, yeah, I just just want to stick on the Carignan on for one more second. So, being that it's not the most popular varietal, what part of uh the global market do you sell it in the most?
0: Um pretty much right here out of our tasting room. Got it. So, lo- local. Uh our wine club members love it. Uh it's a nice uh a lot of people who have never tried it really find it enticing. Uh and yeah, it does it does really well for us. It's, and yeah, and it, I was going to say,
1: so that we can entice some of our listeners? And I want to tell them first and foremost, obviously, if you get out uh, to wine country, you have to go to Oldbrook. I mean, you have to get in there and you have to try their wines. They have some spectacular wines, um, both on the obviously the white being shards, uh, you know, and then on the reds, the Zinfandel being the the premier. Um, Varietal that they have, but they also have Pinot Noir. Um, as I mentioned, at Zinfandel Port, you got, you really have to get a chance to try that, um, you know. And then the Carignan, as we mentioned, and uh, and Syrah. So my question was, um, getting to entice them to get involved, let's say, with your wine club. Are there uh, wines that you are winery specific or wine club specific that they're only available to them? Whereas they would be, you know, available on the open market or they would be readily available elsewhere?
0: Uh, there are a few wines. Um or at least with the wine club you will receive the wines uh in advance before they're released. So you will get a right. first preview of those wines. Uh so uh, most of our wines will then make it to our tasting room and, and uh and be sold through our tasting room, but some of our wines, some of our Zins, we're only doing maybe 80 to a hundred cases a year. So wine club members, when they get first crack at it, a lot of times it's going to go before, uh, before anybody else may be able to, um, buy any of it. So, uh, so there are, I mean, there are those advantages that to being in our wine club. So,
1: Good. I wanted, to, I wanted to get it out there. I want people, as I mentioned before, go to www.balderbrook.com. It gives you a chance to take a look as some of the people in the chat room, very, very smart, are doing the same. They're going to the website. They're checking things out. I like that about my, my listeners. They're extremely, extremely intelligent. And this way, what they do is it gives them the information and arms them with an arsenal of questions for me to ask as well to you. So uh, excellent job, guys and ladies. Um, what I also wanted to find out was, you know, what, what type of events, um, with the winery, or is there any news about the, the, the wines that you want to, you know, get out there, um, you know, to some of my listeners, Now, again, mind you, we've got people obviously from all over the world. So I <clears> guess my, my first question prior to asking this is, uh, globally, uh, I take it you're in, you know, a good portion of the markets, right?
0: Um, Really, we're probably in California for the most part, under Alderbrook. We do make some other wines that are distributed nationally uh right. under Torla Vineyards, and then we have vandel uh um called the Federalist that's uh that we produce here that is nationally available but under the Alderbrook label itself, we're for the most part uh in California. We will be distributing um a two thousand nine Chardonnay and a two thousand nine Pinot Noir here next year. Uh mm-hmm. in the springtime. Those will be released. Okay. So so we are going back out into the market. But um but again, most of our wines are available either on the internet or visiting our tasting room or calling the winery.
1: So somebody, let's just say from Jakarta, somebody from England, someone from, uh, Spain, uh, they go on and they want to be able to, to sample and get your wine. Are they capable of doing so, um, via the internet? Um,
0: we don't ship internationally. So that would not be, if, if they were here in the U S, uh, it wouldn't be a problem, but, uh, because we can ship to most states but um internationally we're not we're not out there.
1: So what that means is everyone listening is that you have to come to California. Okay? I want to get everybody get everyone get on a plane from wherever you are and get to California and and get to the winery because or come visit your your relatives here in the states and 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 ask them to get some of the wines in for uh your your vacation and your your visit because they they're really outstanding and I I think that's what you know the thing that happens is is that not unlike um, many winemakers or wine producers, you know they make x amount that they produce specifically for their region, specifically for let's say on a, on a national basis, uh, or um, they sell them within their wine clubs and and, wine. and, and I un- completely understand that because the idea is you know. Um, it's not. It's not made for mass production, um, and 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 you and it, it gives you a lot more control over um, you know everything from the uh, quality to to where it goes and the marketing aspect of it. So I guess what I'm I'm trying to get at is that uh, you know here in the states you have a, a great opportunity to be able to go online, check out everything about Alderbrook, uh, and of course tolado wines as well because those are also um, International, so you can get those, go that route as well. And that was that brings me to the question about working with Doug Fletcher, the man. Yep. What a great! I tell you, I had him on as well. What a, a great, great winemaker. What a great guy, uh, and uh and very interesting. So tell me what it's like to have to have a chance to work with someone like like Doug.
0: Oh, it's great. I mean, he's he's been in the wine industry for quite some time and uh, has a lot of experience, has seen a lot of things over the years, and uh, is just, you know, a great resource. We put blends together for some of the different wines that we we make here, and, uh, you know, he'll be involved in, in the blending, and we'll, you know, do all our trials, and we'll go through and uh, taste the wines, and his insights are um are spot on, and so you know it's just great uh, having that resource.
1: So now let's let's take this in a, in another direction. So the, you're finished with the day, done your your you know you've, you've gone through everything that you've had to do during the day, meetings out in the vineyard, out in you know during harvest, you know then of course crushing and and all that. All right, you go home. What is it that you take out of your arsenal of wine? let's say your collection, what is it that you drink? And, and I know it, it, it'll vary. I'm of course, I'm just saying, give me an idea a winemaker's mindset of, okay, now I'm done and I want to drink wine at home with my, let's say with my wife and friends. and So that. What, what is it that you, what you pick out? Like, what is it that you like? I'm,
0: uh, I'm very open-minded about wines. I'd like trying wines from all sorts of regions and all sorts of varieties. Uh, probably the thing that I would most likely fall back on is going to be Pinot Noir gotcha uh, probably my top variety that I would drink at home
1: interesting and do you like it for any particular region I mean do you like it more from Russian River do you like it more from uh, Oregon do you like it more from France uh, do you You know is there any
0: I like them all <laughs> It's, uh, you know, it's it's hard not to get me to drink a Pinot Noir, so um, I, I do, I, since we make Russian River Valley Pinot Noirs, I really do appreciate what's being done out here. There's some awesome producers uh, yes. of Pinot Noir in the area. Oregon has some great producers. Uh, uh, of course, in Burgundy, there's, you know, outstanding producers. And the nice thing is that they're all somewhat different they're all well they all are different so it's not um you're not going to taste the same thing from oregon from russian river or or santa rita hills or uh santa lucia highlands to you know Cote de nuit or something like that they're all they're all different and they're all great for what they are so um
1: and That's for the number whatever number varietal for you, yeah. So now let's let's just go. You know, because obviously, as much as I love Pinot Noir, uh, and I think it's probably one of the most versatile of the varieties. What uh, you know, you, I, you you can't really do it with a steak. Uh, you can if you want, but so you know, going with different foods. Are there uh, what other varietals do you do you like? Do you like to choose in. Um, yeah, and where do you where are the go to areas that you choose them from?
0: Um, another one's Syrah. Um Northern Rhone, Um really uh, I've been a big Syrah fan for a while now. And there's mm-hmm. great great Syrahs being done here in the US too, so it's it's uh um nice to see Australia's got some great Shirazes. Uh Zinfandel, of course. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean that's one thing that attracted me about about this position when this position opened up uh, was that it's a lot of Zinfandel to make. So uh, when I was at Davis and going out to different regions to taste wines, um, actually Dry Creek Valley was one area that friends and I would always come to. And we always seemed to keep coming back to Dry Creek because we were all, well, at least my one friend and I were always big into Zinfandel. So. Right. So Zinn's another one. Uh for whites I really like um uh well Chardonnay, obviously. Uh <laughs> but I, I do love kind of Italian Italian whites like Greco de Tufo and Fiano, um and just experimenting with, with the different different varieties, things that I don't necessarily have tons of experience with. So uh Sauvignon Blancs from different areas. Sancerre and uh, um, California, of course, and uh, Bordeaux whites, uh, Rieslings I love. Uh, we just, in 2009, we started making a Pinot Gris here, more in um, kind of in an Alsatian style. Uh, Great. Right. Excellent. For lack of a better way to describe it, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, f- I find really I, I love it. I love Alsatian style wines.
1: So I agree. I think they're they're fantastic. So you basically it runs the spectrum for you, so that's that's good. So you you know, open minded, open palate, as I say. Um I just said that now by the way. I d I don't normally say that, but I just you know. Um huh? Kim from the, from the chat room says, uh her question is, uh, are they considering making a sparkling wine? And what does Brian think about the trend of the red sparklings like Australia's sparkling Shiraz or Shiraz uh, yeah.
0: um, <laughs> no we're not thinking of making sparkling wine uh, that's a that's a pretty um, tough market to be in uh, I, I mean I'm hoping that I mean it seems like in the US we, we use it more for special occasions kind of thing where personally I love sparkling wine and champagne and we'll drink it uh a lot um and it's that's a very versatile wine to tell you the truth uh but it's really a tough tough market to be in um so we're not thinking of doing any sparklings uh in terms of red sparklings like sparkling Shiraz I I just that's there's some wines that I haven't really developed a, a taste for, and maybe I just haven't tried them enough, but sparkling Shiraz is one thing that I just haven't really developed, uh, much of a palate for yet. So I'd have yeah. to see some good examples and, and, uh, taste some good examples. Uh, I've only tried think, it. maybe one. Once. I'm sorry.
1: No, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, I could tell you one, which is, uh, I think Molly Duker makes a sparkling Shiraz. That's, uh, from uh, from Australia, that's um, very tasty, I have to say. Um, and again, I'm not much for the sparkling uh, Shirazes, uh as you know. And but there are a few out there, and the one that strikes me right off the bat, and I, I think, is actually the uh, is the Molly Duker. Which um, so if you if down the road you decide, hey, you know, I want to just try one and see what everybody's talking about, that mm-hmm. would be the one of choice. I would I just recommend to you, um, okay. having tried it before. Um, so so I guess my, my other question is it kind of begs the question, um I, I've done this before. I've asked this question before. There's there's only one question that I ask of all my guests. Every every show as you listen in uh and you can go listen to archive shows back over the past year, say almost sixty shows, um, I never asked the same question twice, except for this one question I started a, a tradition on. So you can have any one you want, Brian, okay? Um Tell me a wine that knocked your socks off that you've had before um, or one that you're seeking out, you've never tried before, but you've always wanted to try.
0: Do you want both or do you just want one or the other?
1: Uh, Well, if you
0: want to give me both, give me both. That'd be good. Okay. Uh, One that completely knocked my socks off, Uh, it was an 82... Chateau Pichon Lalande.
1: Oh sure. <laughs> Good year.
0: Uh, again, one of my older brothers is uh, is really into wine. Definitely a, a, a wine consumer and a collector, and he I just like uh, pops some of those bottles open. Um, and we had him at the holiday at some point. So I just remember that one really sticks in my mind as being one of the Greatest wines I've tasted. Uh and then one that I've always wanted to try that I've never tried was uh well uh Romaine Conti. I've still yet to try the uh, uh Conti.
1: Sure. The Romanes are, are are nice. I mean there's but then again I have to say it all depends obviously on the year, the vintage. And and in addition to that, um You know, pricey at this point. Right. Yeah. Which
0: is probably another reason why I haven't (laughs) delved into those.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's interesting because I I hear so many different things each time I ask this question. That's the beauty of it. You know, I've said this a million times over, and that is, you know, the the great thing about wine is you can go your whole life and never try the same two wines twice, you know, and it's that Mm -hmm. journey. That that really is the best part of it is the journey for, of trying to try the same two wines twice, you know. So So right. um, so so it's it's kind of nice. And and I've heard everything, you know. A lot of the guys that have graduated in the '70s from UC Davis, you know, a lot of them talk about Inglenook. It's amazing. They talk about like the '68 Inglenook or the mm-hmm. or the '72 Inglenook. Or you know, I I that was the one constant that I heard constantly heard coming up was Inglenook. That they had some great wines back then, you know, um, and then you know, and, and again, conversely, I hear, of course, a lot of French wine. So uh, it's kind of uh, as an homage to to you know the French winemakers, because you know the the great thing is if you think about it, uh, as much as um, the New World uh, is really what it is, New World wine, uh, there's a lot to be said about, and I guess there's a hat tipping that needs to be done to the old world wine because uh, all the techniques and everything that's learned about it and the, how to manipulate the grape and how to manipulate the, uh, uh, the wine in blending it um, comes from French, basically. So that's why I think I heard a lot of uh, French wines that have popped up over the past. I'm going to say, I probably have asked this question in the past maybe 15 or 20 shows. And, and, and oddly enough, I think three or four of them were Ingle Nook. So I just wanted to kind of throw that at you just as a an interesting side note. Um I only think we only have a couple minutes left here, so I guess I wanted to ask a few questions. Uh, like well one of course, is there any, any upcoming events or anything going on about the about all the books that you want people to know about that you want to get out there so that this way, you know, people can come to uh uh to, you know, if they're on considering vacation time or they're booking it or setting it up and they want to go, um, you know, they can coordinate it with the uh with that event. Uh
0: yeah, there are several events coming up. Um a lot of them are are sort of Appalachian or several Appalachian-wide events. So in January we have what's called Winter Wineland and it's yeah. Alexander Valley, Dry Creek Valley, Russian River Valley uh wineries open up and uh uh they'll pour new releases they'll pour library wines we'll pair food with wines and things like that and it's a real fun event uh also in march we'll be doing barrel tasting where people can buy futures if they're so inclined uh we haven't really picked out a wine we're gonna barrel taste just yet but we'll work on that come uh after the holidays and uh and that's always a, a fun event. Um and then in April we have probably our biggest event which is uh just Dry Creek Valley and it's called Passport. And it's a two day it's a weekend event. And uh again a lot of a lot of either new releases or library wines and a lot of food pairings. And it's uh it's just a really fun event and each winery has its own in the in the area has its own different different uh flavors and uh things that they do so those are kind of industry-wide events and then in may we also do uh for wine club members but also for uh um other consumers we do uh blend your own zinfandel and that's awesome Yeah, we do. We'll we'll give people three Zinfandels and maybe another blending grape like Syrah or Carignan, and have people blend their own wine and uh, and we bottle it up for them. And uh, you know, it's just a a real fun time. And then afterwards, we do a family-style lobster feed where we string all our our uh, um, picnic tables together and everybody sits at pretty much one long table and. We've got lobster and That's shrimp amazing. and and uh, artichokes and garlic heads of garlic, potatoes, shrimp, and it's just it's just a real lot of fun. People have a great time. You're getting
1: me hungry. Stop, Brian. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> People I, just have a great to, time. To eat something. I'm gonna eat my yeah. shoe. <laughs> but I, I have to tell you, um, I want. I really, really appreciate. Having you on the show, we only had a couple minutes left here, but I wanted to make sure that you got out all the information about all the upcoming events because it's great stuff, and it's stuff that I don't want my listeners to miss, especially if they're going to be considering coming to your area of California. So, everybody, I want you uh, to go to www. dot com and check out Brian's Wines and info there, um, and I'm sure they'll have the updates as they happen about the events coming up, so you can plan your trip. Uh, also, if you're in the states, by all means. Order some wine. Uh, you know, you can find some. Of course, you got to try their Zinfandels, but you can also go, of course, to your local wine retailers. I want to especially thank Brian Parker for coming on and telling us about his amazing wines. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, and um, I'd love to have you on again in the, in the future, and so we can talk some more and answer some more questions. And um, I, I really appreciate it. So thanks so much for coming on tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. It's Been my pleasure. Have a gr- have a great evening. And uh, and we'll talk again. Okay. You too. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Thanks. Bye. So that was Brian Parker of Alderbrook Wines. Go to www.alderbrook.com. Check out Brian's Wines and all the info there. Um, I want to thank everybody that listened in, called in, emailed, tweeted, got into the chat room. That was fantastic. I really appreciate the great questions, really insightful questions from everybody all the way around. As always, uh, if you have any questions about the show, you can email them to info at com. You can go into my website as well at www.stewthewineguru.com and click on the link of, for all of my wine articles, my videos, and to listen to archive wine talk shows. In fact, what you'll be able to do is just click on the picture of Brian in the next 24 hours, and you can hear the show, the archive show, whatever you missed. As always, I say... If it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stu the Wine Guru. Drink up, good night, and, of course, good wine. And now, on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru.